0: no, um, a new location uh, this week for myself. I got some art behind me, Innovation Works back in London. Um, it's a lovely place to be, um, seeing some familiar faces, um, some friends from a long time, it's such an inspiring place. And, um, you, know, you know, Neil and I were talking about it to just like, you just, you miss bumping into people just on accident, and saying, I know hey, how it's going. I forget how to talk to people uh, in person, but I'm, you know, it was still, I'm uh, glad, glad to have the opportunity to at least try. Three um, of us here today. Russell shah might appear he might not he is uh roving and preparing for a trip back to india trip back to india means a lot of gifts uh and so he, he did a bond trip and somewhere else he went to the mall i thought he was going to come back just with full you know fill the stuff and he had like three things uh so he's like i am done five percent he considered it an abject failure uh, but we're here today we've got some topics some good stuff uh, to go about we're coming off a hot uh security uh meeting around gdpr and all these wonderful things so lots of good things to think about there probably won't delve into that too much to be honest today that was a lot that was enough of it already um, but some really good things about just building the best practices into your system ethics of ai and really just treating you know data um, with the utmost care in a world that has it endlessly flowing so uh i'm Brenn. i uh am ceo speak i uh, i love love well, I, I do love data. I love data visualization. I love helping people solve problems. Very interested in how you know what, what, what can we learn from you know large amounts of interviews or conversations or even you know uh, you know writing that we're doing ourselves personally. So I'm spending a lot of time on that work. And I'll let you guys make a quick intro.
1: This is Lauren. I am the accountant here, and um, doing lots of work apparently in uh, security now, um, especially in the last couple hours. It was a very nice uh, very nice presentation we had to go through.
2: Always a struggle to hit that unmute button. Um, so, Nihal, uh, digital strategist here at Speak. Uh, currently uh, obsessing on workflows and how to best execute and plan for them. That's kind of where my headspace is at currently.
3: okay, you know, Neil, you've got a couple of topics here. Um, anyone that you want to sort of want to dial in from the start and then go after?
2: I feel like it's pretty much in order, so you know if, if we were to start um just just because I think you know uh, for a quick chat this morning, just back back to the same time old topic we get to discussing um but but i i was thinking maybe you know gamifying it a little bit where it's like if you know obviously our platform and software can cater to multiple groups um and uh, there's various use cases that um we can use our platform for but you know if you had to pick one just one uh no no ifs and buts just one <laughs> which um may, what would the main target audience be uh and I guess why uh, that would be the target audience you would choose to go after hard.
3: Silence. I like it. I like it. you put a lot of, lot of, a uh, lot of um, emphasis on what.
0: Um, Let's talk about quickly. You know, a couple of things, and then I'll try to get to my answer. Um, which is, I mean, one thing I think is which is really interesting is even part of it plays into what we were talking about today with security, which is you know what kind of data do you want to deal with and what kind of customers do you want to have and what does that process you know look like and what are the you know, the consequences or the responsibilities when you deal with that information and um you know from my perspective that starts to you know starts to uh, have a factor on who that main that main the main people that you want to deal with is um and the other part that I think is really you know interesting is like what you know, got some good feedback from one of my friends who has followed us for a long time. It's just like, what, talking about the pain point that you're solving, or what's the mission, you know, the mission the mission that you're rallying around, and how do you, you know, uh, articulate that mission so that you know, so that employees know, that customers know, and investors know. And sometimes there's problems that are much larger and more significant than others. And so, you know, it's not necessarily easy, but it, when there's a, a challenge like, for example, climate change, for a challenge like mental health. I've seen people be able to, you know, raise investment. I've seen people, you know, like a lot of power in that very specific mission. And, uh, and then, you know, for myself, it was just, you know, talk about this a little bit, but this NLP summit that happened this week, it was just so, um, it was very, very specific, like you realize how deep, for example, the healthcare NLP actually goes. So the knowledge that you need to have, the experience that you need to have. And in a way, it's uh, you know, why well, I know technology and I know what we're do- doing there's a, a deeper level of knowledge and understanding and also a deeper expertise in applying that technology and verticalizing it into those places. So um, this is a long way of saying like where is something where there's something I feel most comfortable about or with where do I'm most passionate about um obviously have a lot of passion for, for mental health things like climate change and things like that but at the end I find the intersection of language to to be a very creative thing and so one thing I would you know truly love to see with our system is that people are taking this language information they have whether it's again you know conferences or podcasts or whatever it is and actually sharing it publicly so that they could you know our system could ingest something and make something beautiful out of it and that we actually see people think that that's compelling or beautiful or powerful enough that they actually want to share it publicly. Um, So that's like a big drive for me. I think it makes some of our adoption of our system, uh, you know, easier because, you know, again, maybe marketers, content creators, media companies are, um, you know, willing to move quicker on those things. And because the the media is going to be public in the end, they're going to share something from it. There's less stress about the data sensitivity and what that, that stuff is. And, um, you know, from my own experience in life, I had run a marketing agency. And so I know that space well when I talk to those people. I can communicate well. Um, I have a lot of passion for it and the need to continue to grow your, you know, grow your awareness of what you're doing. Repurpose content to use media and make
3: more media from it is is not going to end anytime soon. So that's why I'll stop for a second. Uh, sure, I
1: would say Yeah. uh, Healthcare, mental healthcare seems like a more like noble pursuit in my mind. Uh, It seems like the work that you're doing is going to actually uh, benefiting people a lot more. Um, Just when it comes to like marketing, it's mostly just about making more money. Um, But healthcare really does make some sort of uh, some impact to people's lives for the better. Um, But that's just me. It's a bit biased. And there's probably, um, you know, different reasons beyond just like what is, you know, emotionally attaching.
3: actually delved in, you know, I spent a lot of time,
0: and you know, we continue, like, I mean, sort of forced us to pick one here, obviously. So I, you know, I tried to sort of coincide with, with that. And
3: one thing I actually
0: found, which was really interesting, which is, you know, marketing and media uh, is sort of like a, you know, considered a dirty space. And maybe, 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 and maybe that's, maybe that is, that's true, especially with the level of analytics and behavioral tracking and all these things. Um, One thing I found or what I realized as I delved deeper into, I would say, like digital therapeutics, mental health, some of the conversations we had specifically around psychedelics was when you, when you, when you mm, merge, for example, healthcare, and and I would say business together, there's a lot of, um, I don't know. I have a lot of, uh, fear around that too. And it's like, you know, people sort of know marketing or media or content generation is what it is. But what I don't think people necessarily understand that, you know, behind the scenes, within healthcare, there's a lot of things that are taking place that maybe worry if we knew that we wouldn't be so, uh, <laughs> excited about. So I'm just, I, I'm, I try to figure that out. Um, and, and also just trying to figure out, you know, where, where can you make the biggest impact yourself personally? um, For myself, like mental health care is obviously something I've been very passionate about, but I also think that there's like a level of creation or, you know, joy with some of the work that we're doing around um, sort of the media analysis and visualization that is just like, that's just a wonderful thing to be able to unlock that creativity into the
3: world. So I do appreciate that uh, a lot too. Nihal, you, sir.
2: And if uh you know just just as a follow up if you were to frame that question in the scope of our existing business model and our existing i guess customers
3: would your answer change i think you know i mean but like the the, the
0: other piece that i i see which is more and maybe this doesn't answer your question is the more generalized application of this which is uh I would say that the, 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 digest, sorry, the digestion or ingestion of media libraries or media assets and uh, the analysis part. So to me, the, the analysis part is what I'm most passion, passionate about. And the fact that that it's providing value is, is what I'm really happy with. So I'm just trying to start from answering the question. There's like,
3: mm,
0: in this layer of a pipeline of delivering value research has been a massive driver of that and we've seen that we're unlocking unlocking value for people within research I think you know when you're talking about our current business model there's two sides of it which is where's our also where's our current system where is it today and where is it creating value and then was the value that that's creating for customers and then where do I hope to bring the system so that we can Get towards some of these things that we're talking about. So, I don't know if it would change. I just think that I'm aware that there's a lot more work to do on our end if we're going to successfully accomplish
1: that mission. What do you think are, uh, our current business model is more uh, directed towards than Nihal?
2: Um.
3: <laughs> uh.
2: I feel like maybe that's where I struggle a bit still. It's, I don't really know. <laughs> and I guess that that to me is like uh, a sticking point um, for me sometimes. Cause it's like, I understand we have all these capabilities in the system, but then, you know, to Tyler's point, for example, one of our biggest implementations is in the healthcare space, right? But then is, is that the space where we see the, most potentially short term short is that like our short term target or is that like the long game right versus maybe on the more God, repurposing and uh you know value add on the research side maybe that's our more short term that helps us feed these longer term visions uh, and, and I'll also contribute to the long term vision so um f- for me just based on i, I guess recent um you know, recent customers we've gotten, like even just a couple of the sales calls we've had, it does really seem that we should lean into this research side, but then you run into this problem of, is a is system robust enough to handle all these research needs, or is it sufficient to cater to a very specific part of that entire process? Where, you know, I I feel like, for example, let's take a market research firm, for example, they might use us for the kind of acquisition and baseline analysis, right? So, you know, does that messaging and targeting, is it around building accurate uh, interview data and like language data sets, right? Is is that the value proposition? And then they feed that data that they have used our system to acquire into their Let's say they're larger software platforms that they used to do further coding and further analysis, and uh, generation of other assets from there. Like obviously, I understand that's our maybe our end goal, um, but I just don't know if we can. For example, we can't we can't cater to all steps in the qualitative research process. For example, right? Like that, that's not where we're at currently, but we can cater to the um, kind of initial stage and we cater to it very well right like just just based on some of the feedback we've received it seems that people are finding a lot of value in that initial cleanup and collection process and then obviously they use that data to to for, like do other things with it so that, that's that's kind of where i lean uh right now that's what i think um and obviously once again there's short term medium term and then long-term vision for where the the company is, should be, and where we want to end up as well.
3: You know, and the,
0: the research part is interesting. I had a firm reach out to me yesterday. I had a conversation with them and they're actually responsible for, I would like, basically their value of their business has been building panels of like very, very defined people who then, for example, you come with a, a research initiative and you come to them and you say, Hey, um, I need to target this audience and ask them these questions. So then they'll, you know, they have, you know, sort of built maybe, you know, 10,000 people who fit this category. They answer the surveys for you. And then that's how you build up, that's where they're producing the values by basically building these panels that are already pre-recruited that then answer questions for surveys. And they said, you know, are you, you know, are you responsible for this part of the process or do you do manage anywhere in this process? And I was like, no. You know, we're we're, he asked like, where do we come in during this process? And like, where we've seen ourselves come in is as someone's gearing up for a research initiative, they are then coming to us because they know they're going to do, for example, 30, 40 interviews, whatever it is. They know that they're going to need to transcribe it, but then they're also looking for, hey. Um, you know, I need to want, I want to do maybe even like, as you talked about, maybe the initial analysis layer of it to help me build some ideas for themes or topics that emerge that then I'm going to go down and do the deeper dive, um, or not even a deeper dive, but maybe the recommendations or the summary or, or, you know, the highlights that came out for all of those. Because generally what we're seeing in this research pipeline is, you know, someone hires, this firm, this firm is responsible for sourcing the people that they're doing interviews for. They do those interviews that are nicely structured. They record those, they transcribe them, they analyze them. And the final deliverable for this is a presentation that is given in person, We're obviously now on Zoom call, that needs to be very compelling. And most likely throughout this process, the firm that originally hired this firm has spent quite a bit of money to hire that firm. The firm has paid, for example, us quite a bit of money to ingest that media and transcribe it up to 100%. So there's a lot of pressure riding through this process to produce insights that are valuable enough at the end state. And um, I don't know if you guys remember, we won't name any names, but there was a process that we went through for some research. And at the end there was findings presented and those findings were very underwhelming. Um, So like that's the part that we're actually trying to help people avoid is underwhelming sort of insights that come out. one of the things that I found when I was talking to one of the teams yesterday who does this process quite regularly is, is when it comes down to it, they're like, they are doing a lot of qualitative research. And for them, what does it come down to? It comes down to quotes, clips of media and word clouds and bar charts. You know what I mean? Like that's literally all it is in that font. And there's a lot of exposition over that. There's a lot of discussion. There's a lot of conversation that um, emerges from those, you know, say sharing that word cloud. And then that's a discussion point that then d- dives in deeper. But I think that along the pro- that process, what we've learned is there's a lot of broken points there. And then there's, I think what you're alluding to the which is there's two sides of it, which is there are. I would say you know my baseline and these are all great companies is maybe something like um, otter baseline transcription and then we're also seeing at a higher level something like maybe like in vivo or like one of these really deep academic sort of scientific research engines and within those are the two extremes of simple transcription and then like manual coding and analysis that are a lot of times you know b- bought by universities or large institutions that are installed locally on computer manual tagging all that stuff and in between there's a gap that a lot of people are actually trying to operate and streamline their research work in, uh, and are looking for an intuitive system. Maybe with lower capacity. Maybe they're a smaller team, so they're helping to autom- automate or shorten the amount of manual work in that process as much as possible. Just a couple of quick things I've noticed too: scientific and academic people, they like they 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 tend to lean less on automation. They don't believe in the you know they are they're, they're, you know, very aware of the you know the bias in Ai systems and the. The you know the problems that can emerge emerge from say automated transcription and analysis so they're like more likely to get the budget up front to invest in fully human transcription and then maybe a bunch of researchers to do the manual coding themselves, but there is this layer underneath where it's uh a smaller team maybe in marketing or market research who's trying to shorten that amount of work. And they'll take, you know, 80 to 95% accuracy because they're trying to speed
3: the the research to results delivered as quick as possible.
2: Yeah, because I I feel like it once again speaks to, you know, an earlier conversation we had about verticalization versus just trying to keep growing horizontally. Right Where if you specialize on let's say a specific part of the um, of this this workflow or these workflows uh, and just make it the best piece of the puzzle there is, then from there you use that growth to leverage any sort of like uh, additional you know if you start going more horizontal again, then I feel like that that that's much easier way, especially with the way or the complexity of some of the work that uh, a lot of our clients do as well where, yeah.
0: Yeah. we've been asked i mean we've been asked for some pretty not insane things but like some things that could potentially spread the system way too thin if it's not spread that thin already you know like again i'll go back to this idea of a slope assessment and when we were watching this nlp summit i was like you know, we have sort of the base categories of, for, for example, extracting out a, a number, you know, and so that number could refer to a dosage. But the systems that are tailored specifically for healthcare, they know the dosage. They also know um, the dosage of what, like, with that dosage besides, say, the medicine, that's already in a pre built, pre labeled library that then they can say, okay, with this dosage and with this, that is representative of a relationship of this. And then even at the overall level, It's like, oh, if this person is this age, this demographic and this dosage and this, most likely they are treating this illness. Like the amount of contextual information or like intelligent relationship linking based on, uh, for example, a named entity recognition kit um, specifically applied to healthcare is, uh, you know, so deep. And the expertise that's been built into those systems is ridiculously um, intense. And like, again, that's something that, I know the question and I think the challenge is if you have like people who are hustling or working hard or they're smart people it's like you, you know if you truly apply yourself, you can do anything it's more about what you then choose to do. Um, and you know one thing that I continued to find over and over again is like. Even along these gaps or even along these sort of processes or applications of these technologies, we continue to see you know breakdowns in things, and so I was talking to you guys earlier this morning where. I started to have it on a very small scale, but like conversations where I can basically predict where the problem is gonna be. And that could, problem could be, hey, I've used Rev or hey, I've used Otter or, um, you know, hey, I've used Atlas TI, that program's too complex. So I'm looking for a simpler version to help me do the additional thematic analysis of grouping. Like those patterns have started to emerge, but the core challenge, you know, comes back to me, which is like, there's too much information here and I need to be able to parse out the stuff that actually matters and is meaningful. And of course, we've maybe seen different ranges of what is meaningful. But in the end, the guy—you know one of the guys I talked to yesterday, he's like, I'm doing 40 interviews and then I'm going to need to spend 250 hours to produce this presentation. And if you can help me drop 10, even five hours, 20 hours, 50 hours, and still produce a presentation that at the end is compelling for our clients, then everyone wins in that situation. So that's where I'm trying to to figure out. And one thing that I've continued to try to separate, which is we're not this transcription company. The transcription is a method to get us to the the results at the end. And I I really do believe based on some of the things that we've seen is like the output methods of media clipping, audiograms, visualizations, and like identifying very compelling quotes or moments within that audio that can be shared out in a, a compelling aesthetically pleasing way that creates sort of an impact when seen or heard or watched or listened um if we can do that on an automatic basis at a pretty high percentage of accuracy
3: we're creating a lot of value in the pipeline of our system cool. I, I, I was, this is the the challenge here the only just I, I, won't, I won't end on this but just to. For
0: where for something that was really sometimes like obviously I I love pattern recognition and and, but like this is maybe I told you this story before but when I went to Burning Man in 2019 I went and watched all these like some of the top researchers who are doing like psilocybin psychedelic research Um, and and then you know for example I've talked to a bunch of market research firms who are doing commercial research in the end you know, the the assets that they showed for them to tell their story and for them to make a compelling piece was a quote, a clip of media, and then some data visualization. Like it was the exact same graphic or output at the end of that, whether that was commercial research talking about, you know, what boat you should buy or, you know, uh, a psychedelic therapy, which is changing people's lives. The the input from a technical standpoint was no different it's just the identification of those
3: assets and allowing them to get those assets quicker so that they can make their their final point does that make sense cool i see heads nodding. that's good um
0: uh uh, okay nihil i guess do you want to (laughs) you want to continue on your journey of questioning this is an interrogation here today
2: i love it um i guess the next one is uh just this because one thing we've been trying to do, and trying to, you know, add to our, I guess, marketing and sales flow as well, is this whole idea of getting more customer feedback uh, to improve the product, uh, to potentially know why the product didn't work for them. Uh, in the case of users who maybe didn't onboard, why didn't they onboard? Uh, but I feel like we've had a hard time actually getting responses. So I feel like to. The two questions kind of go in hand in hand, where one is, you know, why is customer feedback potentially so hard to get? Um, and the second part of that is, you know, uh, is there a better way or is there a way for us to incentivize existing customers, but also uh, past customers to just help us improve? And uh, yeah. Uh- i mean i'll have a couple theories on this
3: um
0: one of them is people are busy uh and value their time um and so um you know for us to just ask hey you know take not even just like uh you know because sometimes say we're asking for for feedback but we're not even giving them any structure to give that feedback right so it's a lot of thinking to be like i want to write a paragraph of feedback here you know maybe one of the more Uh, you know, um, valuable or worthwhile endeavors that we could produce them. Like when you look at one of the final metrics that people look at to measure its net promoter score and it's like either one to five or one to 10, right? And that's how you're gathering feedback and it's one click. And obviously there's still a bit of thinking in that, but it's not the same as having to type out a full paragraph. I'd also say though, when we are truly serving a customer in, in a way that is valuable, like, I mean, you guys saw um, I mean, more, I'm not sure if you were CC'd c- in that email today, but we got an incredible piece of feedback today that was like multiple paragraphs long wow. that the guy actually took out, you know, he obviously uh, took out time to you. I mean, first of all, he didn't use the system. This was a pain point that is in their workflow currently. And because we were actually helping solve that in some ways, he was willing to give us very helpful feedback and in-depth feedback. So I think when we're not getting feedback, it's that we're not these are not the right customers, not, they're not the right customers, but like we haven't adequately solved the problem. And I think it also, you know, comes back to this idea of maybe say product market fit where it's like they came in with an idea and this the product didn't fit that um, problem that they were having. And so it's not worthwhile their, for their time to even, you know, leave feedback. It was just the wrong thing, you know? It's like when you walk into a store or maybe this is more examples, like when you walk into a club, I don't do this anymore, but I used to, and it's just like a bad vibe. You know what I mean? It's just like not the vibe you were looking for. You go in, you look, and you're like, ah, oh, okay, I'm out of here. And on the way, you know, out, uh, you know, no one's asking you, you know, why, why are you leaving this club? And if you did, it's just like it's not for me. You know, this is not the right spot to be. So I think there's some of the, some of that going on. A um, couple of quick things. Sorry, I know what I'm talking about here, but it's like also we've seen more feedback when people actually make an investment in the product. So if you pay for something, um, obviously there's a little bit more buy-in. And if you're paying for it, then you're willing to give feedback to improve it because you obviously there's a uh, cost to it. So I think that makes sense. It's hard to get feedback when someone does a free trial and uploads something for 60 minutes. And for us to try to follow up with them and say, hey, and most likely these were just a browser or a window shopper just testing things out and uh, you know not necessarily doing it. And a couple last things I'll say is know there's a couple of things that we know we want to improve in the system one of the feedbacks that we got just you know a couple days ago was that the transcription comes back slower than other systems and that's because some of the analysis is happening so speed could be a big factor in that and uh you know i think while sometimes we don't get feedback i think we're also pretty smart aware people so we know a lot of the problems that occur in the system that create clunkiness or things that like you know niho and i wrote out basically what we call friction points in the app the other day, but it was basically what do we hate about the app? And it was pretty easy to generate, you know, I think there was 30, 40 points in there within 10 minutes. Um, so I think there's a level of awareness for us that we know without even need, necessarily needing feedback that this is causing causing problems.
1: Maybe it's just like the way you, uh, you ask for feedback too. Like you just say the word feedback it doesn't really like elicit any sort of uh it's where thought but like if you want someone to complain no one's not no one's going to hold back their complaints um or even like what they think is doing good um I feel like that's going to require more thought because like what is good really like good is you know getting the job done it's not like going above and beyond which is kind of difficult to do when it comes to transcription but uh uh anyways when was like the last time you guys like ever gave feedback to any other products you are using and like was it did they ask for the feedback? Were you just, you know, a good Samaritan, you went out of your way to give the feedback? Like, I don't, I can rarely recall ever, you know, anything I've ever used really saying anything, you know, one way or the other about it.
2: To me, it depends on the, like, if if they caused me enough pain that I gave feedback or if the incentive was strong enough uh, to to actually respond, right? So... I think the one time I gave feedback was, like, Asana. I mean, granted, big company, so they have disposable money, but you know, they're like, give us 20 minutes of your time and we'll give you a $100 Amazon gift card, right? That, that was one time I can think of. The other time was I bought, like, this exercise equipment. And uh, they basically, because it was, there was a delay to it, you know, they gave me an extended free trial of their like, uh, accompanying app. Uh, But then the app was set to auto-renew. And so, you know, I was just like, hey, that's kind of scummy, right? Like, uh, you know, at least send out like a, your trial is about to expire, you know, like make sure blah, blah, blah. If, because you did need to enter your card details. That was the other feedback I gave where it was like, you know, if you're not going to refund people, at least provide them with advance notice that their trial is about to expire. Uh, And I guess the third time, I gave feedback was for like swag, right? Like, like a shirt or like uh, stickers, but, but these are for like, I guess more, the swag stuff was more on the consumer side, right? Um, so those are three instances I can think
1: of, um, but yeah. But like every time where, yeah, you weren't getting anything out of it?
2: Very rarely. I mean, I, I, I guess in, in the case of the exercise equipment, like there was no guarantee of me getting anything, I, I kind of just pulled a, care, a bit of a Karen, right? Guess it
1: yeah, it was more like venting. So you kind of yeah. got something out of it by giving exactly. a vent over. Exactly.
2: So um, the, the other time I d- actually, no. I, one time I did give feedback to a SaaS product. Like, it, it was a um, basically to connect various APIs in Google Sheets. And that one was just because the actual end use case, like I was interested in a useful product at the end of the day. So, you know, by providing feedback, the hope was that this product would improve enough to be something that I could use, right? But it, it was also a free, free product. So the kind of, you know, I, I didn't have any financial tie-ins to the, the product either. So.
0: Uh, I'll, I'll go for two examples for myself, which was uh, Ran Fishkin who created Moz, um, has a new product called SparkToro. And uh, they were actually struggling with Spark Toro. And so he actually sent out a personal email to all the users who had signed up and asked for feedback. And he said, even give me one word. And I love Rand Like, that's like one of my heroes. And I didn't give him feedback. It's still a starred email. In my, and it's got someone like I legitimately care about and has made my life better. And I'm sorry, Rand. I, uh, I owe you some feedback on that. But like, and then the other one was, there's a company called MarsView that does some really cool sort of conversation analysis kind of stuff too very similar to what we do. And um on their site there's a button where you can do a sample of audio and see how the analysis works and I hit the play button and something in the way that they set up that code makes there's there's no limiter on the audio volume and I had these headphones on and I literally like blew my eardrums out like I had a headache for the entire night after that. And I was just like, I need to tell them cause I'm pissed off that they hurt my ears. And also that this could happen to other people. But then I went to sleep, I woke up in the morning and I never sent that feedback, you know? So it's like how f- even fleeting a pain point is that you're gonna follow up like on that feedback. And uh, just a couple of like interesting attempts um, at this, right? Like. Uh, So when I send out an email and I'm asking for feedback, um, like what have what have we tried? And I don't know, Neil, if you have any thoughts or any other attempts that you've sort of tried or just like in general, but like sometimes I ask, like, you know, did you have any issues or what the problem is? Sometimes I'll ask, like, what's on your wish list? Sometimes it's like, you know, give me one feature that you want. Uh other times it's like, you know, if we know that they're gonna not like the application, it's like, well, you you know if you have any feedback, let us know so we can help. You know, sometimes I'll say good people like you, people like you, like sort of have tried these little different approaches at messaging, um, or flipping like what the problem was like. How how you know how could we help this solve the problem you originally came in to solve, or where did it fall short? Like trying to basically sort of. Rejig this message, or basically the ask, which is hey, just give us a piece of feedback so we can make the system better for you and for others. Uh, And like you said, it's a surprisingly hard thing. And as I've talked to more market researchers or just researchers in general who are going through the recruitment journey, one of the things they have said is the hardest thing is actually getting good data, which is we saw it in our own Speak app um, when a the, the research team went through our system and they offered an incentive. I think it was like 60 bucks for a 45-minute conversation. Um, there were some people who were like actual people who cared about us and jumped on that call and gave us feedback. And then there were some people who had signed up and saw the opportunity to make $60 and like booked in. And like the one person said they got on the call with them and it's like that person had even, barely even knew what the app was. They just wanted the $60. So that's not worthwhile either. So you need to incentivize, but you can't, incentivize not necessarily poor actors, but people who don't have any experience or with, for example, what you're building and that aren't gonna actually provide value in the feedback. And then one last thing was like that, I've been reading some, some stuff around research where it's like research is not even sometimes effective because people are giving different answers than they were given a real world scenario. So, you know, the same idea of like, you know, not placebo effect, but when you measure something, then it's modified because if they're aware of measuring there's an awareness of that and it changes the response that you would give and so that's another also thing that you have to think about uh, when you're doing any research at all and how honest or how do you filter up your own bias or even maybe the
3: person who's participating in the research is unintended bias because they know you are in a research situation cool okay uh-huh. Overall, like
0: one thing that, you know, you know, you know, I know that I mean I learned from you. Um, and you know, something that was just so interesting, like, because <laughs> I mean, I mean, you've met me, so it's like sort of we'll just jump into things, but then I saw your sort of research process for doing content creation. You know what i mean like when i get inspired i'll just write and i'll, I'll do a simple t- type into like sem rush and see like oh you know what how could i optimize the title or what are some additional keywords i can add into this to you know help make try to make it successful but i would see you do like 15 20 hours of research to then decide what content needs to create uh, or where the opportunities were and before you actually move forward to execute and um, that's another thing that's just i thought was really interesting in this process is just like Research or capturing and understanding of information is such a crucial part of everything we do in our lives, and uh, you know it is something I'm, I'm really passionate about. I was, you know, we were—I mean, I was a university student and we wrote essays and did, like this was part of the life um, that you had to do. And so I, it is something I really truly love, um, and you know I, I like to participate. But if we only help in the research part and we don't necessarily help with the output piece then we're we're not going to be able to be a vendor or a platform that delivers the value that people We're just going to be lost in that, um, thing. And I just, one part of that was like, people will pay for a tool, but you know, true buying comes from a solution. So how can we be a, you know, a solution versus a tool? And I think that's something that we're getting closer to for, especially for specific use cases, but I still think there is quite a bit of work
3: to do uh, in that regard. But yeah, was just a couple of riff on a couple of one other thing I saw this week, which was
0: Descript. Um, uh, so I love Descript. Um, you know, love their team. Uh, 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 you know, the guy, you know, Andrew, there started Groupon. He's a smart person, uh, and I really love what they're doing. Now, am I really passionate about video editing? Not necessarily, but it's a very painful problem that people spend hours and hours on. And um, what I saw, we asking asking, talking about this idea of like getting feedback. And I would say the script is getting the level of feedback they're getting from their users is insane. Because a lot of times like it's not necessarily again, maybe positive, but it's like the inklings of the system that people have dreamed about are there. And the fact that the feedback comes from it being like close, but not close enough, or so close that they feel like if they can give this feedback and help bridge this small gap that it becomes the true thing that solved this, you know, ethereal pain point of video editing and production and creation. And, um, you know, I just think it speaks to where we got the feedback from, really valuable feedback from uh, today in that email was someone who would use the system for hours. You know what I mean? On end with a team. And that's the same thing that Descript is doing because inherently if you're editing a video and that video is an hour long, you're gonna be spending, two to three hours editing that video so you're intimately using the platform and you're finding little problem areas along the entire path and you're going to have pain points that you're going to want to communicate to someone along the way so um just you know just an interesting thing that I, i i saw um from from that sort of feedback loop that they're now building in with like a, a larger customer base who are paying
3: for it and are doing a very painful activity which is video editing which i'm not sure if you guys have done but is a horrible task um, so yeah
1: didn't the script have some sort of uh some sort of video event recently where they're uh, exploring like the new features or something like that
3: yep
0: yeah it was cool it was great i went there was about 300 people watching um it was funny at the start the guy the CEO the guy, he had a golf ball, it's like a nice display and it just <laughs> collapsed right before. So it's funny, you know, like there's these amazing companies, you know. I forget how much money they raise, 25, 50 billion or something. And it's just like it comes down to it's just a guy sitting in a room, you know, with a fragile, you know, uh, art stand behind him and like just, you know, it's it's hilarious to see uh you know, we're all human. We're all just trying to do our best uh, to do it. So yeah, he recovered from it and it was a great conference and they're doing some insane stuff with the technology. And I think it's something I strive to be not necessarily descriptive in general, but you know, if you look at some of the feedback on it, it's like a lot of people are wrestling with AI and sort of technology and taking some of these very abstract concepts or like possible applications and truly applying it to a use case or a problem in a viable sort of productized way. Like that's still a challenge across the entire market and space. Like we're in sort of this Gartner hype cycle of where you can apply AI. Natural language processing and I would say speech to text is actually is on the more practical part of it now, but there's still a lot of high level conceptual work that is is that, that hasn't led to maybe the outcomes that people are, are looking for. we've seen a lot of failures in this application of AI and, and, and sort of innovative technology that um, are, are, whereas the scripts sort of persevered and actually built a product around this. And they've been very good with that. And it's allowed them to do pretty crazy innovation. But as long as they've kept that mission intact, it's helped them, you know, fulfill the needs of their customers. And that's why they've, I think, seen the growth that they see. Is there any
1: uh, conferences that you would want to... Uh... Be a part of, or do you think there's a possibility of putting on our own speak conference in the future? I think it would be similar
0: to this, where three of us are here. Um, no, just kidding, uh, but um, it's it's a really interesting approach that they get. Like, we did the first, um, I don't know if you remember, demo day. I remember you probably do remember because you had a very late night uh and uh <laughs> I was uh i mean that was that was a fun thing to do that was in the pandemic before the world went virtual but we had a pretty engaged audience in that uh, and you know that led to a lot of good stuff after that i think for us and i think where nihal alludes to sometimes which is say we put on an event you know who shows up to that event you know what i mean are they uh You know, are they marketers? Are they researchers? Are they uh, psychedelic enthusiasts? Are they biohackers? You know what I mean? Like who are the people who actually show up to that event? And we do have a very eclectic group of followers and supporters who sort of see the bridge. Like there's a lot of data scientists and NLP people. And I would say sort of, you know an interesting subset of people who love what we're doing. But then I think there's a lot, of, a lot of other people who are just sort of confused. Uh, so um, I think that would create difficulty. And I think that's, again, why we continues to sort of drill down on the messaging or if it's only one customer. Great, other customers can float in and use the system, but truly the system is only meant for, you know, this. And if you like it in its current
3: state, good, but we're not building this for you, uh, you know, can continue on kind of thing. I think if you have an event after you, say you raise a bunch of money and publish all the cr- stuff on TechCrunch and all that, and
0: then you get more people showing up just because of, of the hype. But, um, you know, I think that's not necessarily a good thing. I don't, I don't know if that's a good thing, but it's, you know, it's, it's nice. You see that people sort of capitalize on their new intention of it. Um, I know, you know, Canva. I look at recently, Canva had a massive raise and became you know, one of the most valued private companies in the world. And now I can't stop seeing Canva everywhere. It just built an even larger awareness uh, of it. And so very successful in many ways, um, how they executed
3: on a fundraise and actually used it to build better marketing and leverage across everything. Okay, the 10th, worry, 149. Uh, anything that you guys wanna talk about I'll a little later today?
2: Yeah, I mean, any Thanksgiving plans.
1: <laughs> back Just home in London. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Just family stuff. Yeah. Are you uh, are you free Monday, Tyler?
0: I'm gonna go back on uh, Sunday morning.
1: Oh uh, okay. Fair enough. Yeah, I'm sorry, buddy. Uh that's okay.
0: Yeah, it's a holiday. It's a holiday, right? So, Monday, everyone's off. So, awesome. this is a short, this is, sh- you know, one of my most hated things in life is a short week. Uh, so, next week, I'm looking very frustrated on Tuesday when you see me. Uh, I'm just, uh, it's fun. Um, don't look as a short week. It's yeah, a long
2: weekend. Exactly. What, what happens when we switch to a four day work week? What happens then? It's
0: never going to happen. I'm just <laughs> kidding. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I uh, I do, it's, it's actually nothing to do with people around me. It's actually more of an internal, clock or something you know what i mean I, I i i yeah even this like so i'm doing this habit tracking right now so i use a google sheet then i push it to that data studio i wonder if i have the visualization now see if i can show you this quickly. um but like when i when when the routine gets out of loop you know a lot of things then sort of suffer uh it's like, to you so it's just like a reset or a mental a mental thing I I should be able to persevere I'm trying to give myself a little bit of chaos here uh in in my life by going to Miami so I'm going to go to Miami in November here and uh trying to also sustain and retain like some of the best people i've seen who have been very successful one of them I never i'll never forget meeting his name's anthony Lacavera. and he's the guy who created wind mobile and uh, he would travel extensively obviously for work he would have to go to China and japan whatever you know what i mean and he said no matter where he was he would operate like he was in eastern standard Time and he worked out seven days a week you know drank eight cups of water whatever like you know what i mean the, the level of Rigor in his life to maintain at such a high level of like operational efficiency and performance was mind-blowing. Uh and he looked like super moon, so it was obviously right um,
2: <laughs> How much you need uh mm, Anything specific? No, probably um do you know take advantage of the last warmth we have and maybe go on a couple hikes over the weekend a couple hikes maybe one or two um anything else i I, see we we don't normally celebrate thanksgiving in my household but um i was i was thinking about it it might actually be too too late now but if like any like restaurant or something has like those thanksgiving kits maybe picking up one of those and like giving it a go but i feel like it might be late for that because i totally forgot that next week's thanksgiving so (laughs) i realized yesterday so um, You'll get it. I think you can
0: get it. I think you can figure. It. If not, you can do what uh, many people do and just go to swiss <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: I absolutely hate swiss I,
0: I don't know who likes it, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's
2: why they give you so much gravy, <laughs> so you don't realize how dry the chicken is.
0: I'm trying to think of anything else. Uh, you know, from this has just been. It's interesting. I did this monthly report uh this week and it's always this you know such an interesting feedback uh loop and like people who sort of message you and just sort of reconnect and talk on updates and all that stuff so it always you know some every single time I hit send on that I feel like I I hate myself (laughs) Uh, but I like how painful this is like you just feel like very exposed and vulnerable you know what I mean and then it always leads to the opposite or or if not or, or not necessarily it's just like people will say, oh shit, you guys are making a ton of progress. And then it looks like you could use help here. I can help here or I can connect you with someone to help here. And so I think that there is, you know, again, even though it's small, uh, you know, group of people, it's like, there's a very supportive group out there who wants to see us succeed. Uh, and so, you know, the more we sort of like, I guess that's one thing and that's maybe one thing, you know, maybe Thanksgiving, you know, has a lesson on it, which is just like, there's a lot of people who care there's a lot of people you have to be grateful for. There's also a lot of people who help, and it's up to you to sort of reach out and ask, and uh, and hopefully, you know, when you some, when you ask someone for help and they give it to you, that 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 goodness will somehow be transferred either back to them directly or to someone else in life. And that's generally, you know, what what I see from people is just a pattern of goodness and people who want to help out. And um, you know, I'm very grateful for people who are maybe uh, maybe a little bit ahead of our journey like slightly farther beyond or, or, or middle of the road beyond or way beyond experienced. And, and all of them bring their own insights and all of them are always, you know, almost always happy to hop on a call 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes and say, here's what I did when I faced this or faced that. And I know if someone asks me generally, you know, if I'm further along uh, than someone um, objectively, subjectively what that is, um i'm happy to do the same so uh yeah we gotta good good to be surrounded by helpful people including you guys so i'm, I'm thankful for that
1: people are always happy to help out and work to you, with you when they see that you're working too it's like yeah. uh, the analogy of um if someone sees you asking for help on the side of a road they're just gonna keep on driving but if they see you you know working by yourself and struggling they'll hmm. they help you out interesting
0: okay, okay. I'll, I'll do that next time i pull i crash my car uh. <laughs> okay guys any last things before we sign off for the weekend good okay
1: Just, uh, be thankful for uh this happy happy life and this beautiful weather and uh good times with the family beautiful okay we'll end it on that
0: thank you
3: everyone
1: Bye. See you later.